Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in Class. Today's deluxe Breakfast in Class is dedicated in loving memory of Sammy's father, Morris son, Alev HaShalom. Leilui Nishman Moshe Ben Adel, sponsored by Shlomo Suisa. Hazaku Baruch. Week of Cold Brew, sponsored by David E. Ash, in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Also, uh, in the Zechut of the Helege Tzadik, the Holy Tzadik, the Tanel, Ben Israel, Shalita. The, the Pasuk tells us a magnificent concept. It tells us the secret, the absolute secret to a long life. And a memory of Ezra ben Farida. The Pasuk tells us a secret for long life. In fact, the Gemara relates a fascinating story. In the story, there's a great rabbi, his name is Rabbi Yanai. And as Rabbi Yanai is sitting there, a peddler comes by and he's screaming out, anyone want to buy uh, the elixir of life? Sama Dechaya, anyone want to buy the elixir of life? So back in the day, you had people kind of selling all sorts of potions, people selling all sorts of uh, snake oil, you know, uh, purveyors, different things they would be selling in the street. CBD, you know, mythical things, things that they purported to give you, you know, lots of health, or mythical things that purported to give you lots of money, like Bitcoin, things like this. And they would be shouting in the street. Uh, over 48,000, I understand, as of yesterday. But the point, the point is, you know, all these things are being, uh, they, that's how they sold them. So it wasn't just a, so either way, here's this guy, and the guy's, you know, and who wants to live long? Who would like to buy the elixir of life, the potion of life? Anyway, Rav comes along. Rav says, I would like to buy the potion of life. The fellow gets a little bit nervous. He didn't anticipate that the rabbi is going to want to come buy it from him. He says, Rabbi, this is not for you. You don't need it. He says, please, please, how could you withhold it from me just because I'm a rabbi? Please share it with me. Please, please, please. Finally, the guy says, okay. He opens up a Sefer Tehilim and he shows the Pasuk. Who is a person who wants life? He loves days. To be able to see good in his life. What's the, the antidote to this person who wants to find that? Protect your mouth from ra, from evil. And your lips from speaking trickery. Right? So he says, what's the secret? There's many things in the Pasuk, but the first thing primarily is what the answer to the question is. Make sure you don't speak Lashon Hara. Rav hears this from this peddler, and he says to himself, Psh, wow, unbelievable. My whole life I read this pasuk, I never understood what it meant. Ask the commentators. It's one thing if the guy says, you know, it's uh, Gematria 2,962. Gematria 2,961. It's allowed to be off by one. <laughs> Those numbers are incorrect. I'm just saying. That's a chidush. The guy says, Netzor Lashon Echa Amera, Roshet Tevot, 
Lamid Mem Nun. In order, you know, you see the Vefed. Oh, wow, Chidush. Again, I'm just making stuff up here. Okay? Right? That's something that's not obvious. What did the guy do? He read the rabbi, the pasuk. He added zero layers of interpretation. So what did Rav Yanai, who had read, read that pasuk many times before, what did he glean? What did he learn from the fact that this fellow read him the pasuk? So it's interesting. We're not even focusing on the content of what the man said. What I want to focus on is what was introduced by that content that the great scholar of Yanai did not know before and now felt compelled to tell this man that he had taught him this lesson. So there's many ways of understanding this question, but I think each avenue yields its own lesson. The first avenue is I think the most simple. The first avenue is the most simple. Sometimes you read a pasuk and you assume, you think, you intuit, okay, that's what pasuk says. But, it, but when a man is taking a cart around and he's selling pots and pans, and one of the things that he's selling is a secret to long life, the fact that it was presented in that manner, in that way, even if you didn't add anything, suddenly you were able to understand that what's here is a great treasure. It's something that a peddler could sell on the streets of the city. Understanding the value of this thing, therefore imbued it with value. What Rav Yanai gained was the fact that this was being peddled, that this bit of knowledge was being sold. There are many rabbis today that have courses online. And in this course online, you pay $150, Right? And they give you uh, six classes and four workshops and two workbooks and three massages and a haircut and shoe shine. I don't know what they give you, okay? Part of the package deal that you get. So my first reaction to this years ago was like, I can't believe this. Why are we charging people to learn Torah? In fact, I had a fellow reached out to me. He said, Rabbi, will you give me a haskama?" on my material. So first of all, I was laughing. I was like, talking to the wrong guy. I don't know, my beard is not long enough. I need to be like 30 years older. Like, you know, you don't need my haskama. Like, haskama needs to come like with a beard hair, I feel like. You know, it needs to, you need to ask me in the sefer, okay? I'm not, you know. But the guy asked me, he says, would you give me haskama? I looked at the project, I thought it was good. But then I saw that he's charging people for it. I said, look, I'm not, I'm not the dragon's den, you know? I'm not selling products. You want to give shiurim? No problem. I'll tell people. I say, I'm not recommending your product to be bought. I didn't like the idea that they're charging to learn Torah. I didn't like it. But meanwhile, I was being stupid. It's very important that a person can be comfortable calling themselves stupid. Although my young daughter always tells me, stupid is a bad word, right? But other than that, it's very comfortable for, you have to get comfortable being able to say, I was dumb, I did something stupid, I made a mistake, that wasn't, that wasn't smart, it wasn't clever, I hadn't thought that one through. 
So I'm proud to say, I can say, I hadn't thought that one through. You know why? You watch one class. What makes you watch the second class? Nothing. You paid $150. You watched one class. You're watching the second class. <laughs> and the third one. And the fourth one. Right? You, you paid for it. The fact that something was given over with a value, you paid for that object, makes you think that that thing is worth the money that you paid for it. And therefore, what will you do? Lots of people, the way that they go, they get themselves to go to a gym is they sign up for the most expensive gym. Why? Because they're not going to throw that money. I already, I paid for it already. I know someone who has a trainer come to their house every day. I said, what do you need this guy now? Why do you need to train? Like, every day you train. You go running with the guy. You run without the guy. You know what he said to me? He said, I pay the guy, I think what he said, $250 or $300 to come to spend a half hour, 45 minutes with me. If I wasn't spending the money, what would happen? I would get too lazy to work out. The fact that I spent the money, I, I imbued this object with, with value. Now, now it's a valuable thing to me. My friends, what Rivianai understood, simple understanding, you know what he understood? Was that the man was selling this information. And the fact that it was a secret to be sold made, made Rivianai look at it in a new way. And that's what he was grateful for. But I'd like to suggest another approach to this question. And the approach... Um, I first saw, well, again, part of this idea in Rabbi Torsky's Sefer. And listen to this concept. What he was saying to Rav Yanai is, Rav Yanai, you don't need me to teach you this, not because you know this pasuk already, but because you're a Torah scholar. <coughs> you're someone who's worked on the Midot. Not that you know this verse, but that you know this idea. You're someone as you're more elevated, as you've worked on your inner world, your midot, your emotions, the way you talk to people, the way you comport yourself, you're not someone that would speak this way about people. So this information, I don't need to give it to you. And Rabbi Yanai said, no, no, no. I needed it. I never understood the pasuk before. One way of understanding this is that what made Rabbi Yanai look at the pasuk differently was the fact that the peddler didn't want to sell it to him. You already know this. This is not for you. A person who's a religious person should not speak that way. You know, we just finished reading in the last week's parashah, parashat Shemini, we just finished reading all about how important it is to make sure that you're careful with what goes in your mouth. And there's a lot of Jewish people that are so careful with what they eat. Who cooked it? Bishul Yisrael, Yashan, Chalav Yisrael, this, that. They want to make sure. That there was a check, Gush Katif, which Hashkacha, is it this one, is it that one? I don't eat that kind, I eat this kind. They're so careful with what comes in their mouth. If only they would be as careful with what came out of their mouth. Could you imagine that they sold sentences in the supermarket and the sentence had a hechsher on it? You're allowed to say, this person is like this. Kasher, oh you. Could you imagine? Could you imagine people calling you up and saying, Rabbi, 
Someone just called me. They asked me, if, they asked me about this guy. And this is what I'm planning on saying. Is that kosher? You know how many times they get phone calls like that? Almost never. You know how many times people call me about a spoon that was in a pot? Da, da, da. They're all very worried about what goes in. But unfortunately, not worried about what comes out. The Torah put those two together to illustrate this concept. But my friends, it goes deeper than that. You see, what Rav Yana was communicating was, you thought that because I'm a bigger person, it was less important for me. But the truth is, if a person is not an important person and you just hacky, talk, no one cares what you have to say. A person who's considered to be a well-respected Talmid Chacham, a person who's considered a man of moral character, even if he's not a rabbi, people look up to him, they respect him. Says Rav Yanai, that person has even more to be worried about. Why? Because far less words go far farther based on the fact that people think, well, if he said it, if the rabbi said it, if this guy, religious guy, he wouldn't lie. Religious guy, he probably knows the laws of Lashon Ara. Right? Therefore, the words are even more damaging. So the idea of Nitzor Lashon that you need to protect your tongue, the fact that you sell it to everybody else, you don't want to sell it to me. Because you look up to me, says Rav Yanai, seeing someone look up to me so much that they feel I don't even need to learn this lesson, means that I need to guard my tongue on an entirely new level. Someone says to you as a rabbi, what's with this restaurant? And you say, I don't eat there. You can ruin the guy's livelihood in a second. I asked the rabbi, rabbi said not to eat there. That's not what the rabbi said. The rabbi said, he doesn't eat there. I was once in a rabbi's house and the rabbi told me he doesn't go to a certain restaurant. And I could not understand. Because this restaurant had the same mashkacha as all the other very good restaurants in town. So I went to the rabbi. I said, Rabbi, you told me you don't eat in this restaurant. But it's the same mashkacha as everywhere else. And I know that the rabbi does go out to some other places. Same mashkacha. I said, I, I mean, I don't know how to deal with that. But I figured maybe the rabbi knows something specifically about the mashkiach in this store. Ready for this one? I'm already slaughtering. I already killed the Meshgiach. Murdered him, his whole family. The owner of the restaurant must be a Ganav. Right? Maybe he uh, had, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's, uh, you know, assimilated. I don't know. Maybe he's, uh, he steals things from people. Maybe he beats up little children and steals their lunch money. I'm making up all sorts of stories. You know what the rabbi said to me? He goes, it has nothing to do with kashrut. I said, why don't you eat there? He says, because it's a much younger place. And in order to attract all the kids, they're always blasting music. And some of the music is not Jewish music. It's some of the music I, I came once, it was offensive. I didn't feel comfortable being in a place where there's music, where they're saying not nice words or inappropriate lines or whatever. So I didn't feel comfortable with it, so I don't eat there. I'm slaughtering the kosher part, the mashkiach, the food. I'm already telling people not to go to this place in my brain. Meanwhile, it's got nothing to do with the food at all. The guy, he just has the music playing. Do you understand? Is this clear? Now, the fact that he's such a sadiq, that he's such a great person, made me take even 
a half a line that he said, and I built castles in the sky because of it. The greater the prison is, the greater they need to, they need to protect even more. This guy, I don't know, stay away. Stay away, what does that mean? Why stay away? How much? How come? What if I'm the same as them? Did I still stay away? A person needs to be doubly careful. The greater they are, the more important their words. The rabbi adds a magnificent concept. He says if a person looks, a person looks in, uh, in the korban, you'll notice that the korban of a mitzorah is in some ways inherently contradictory. One part of the korban involves etz erez. What's etz erez? A cedar tree. In the writings of Chazal, a cedar tree is known to be the tallest of the trees. Arzea Levanon. Right? Sadiq katamar yifrach ke'erez ba'levanon yizgeh. Look at how high it is. Like the Erez of the Levanon. The Erez represents the highest heights. But along with the Etz Erez, what, what else is part of the Mitzorah's Korban? If he got Sarat, he spoke Lashon He also brings Ezov, the lowest of the grass. A grass that doesn't even stand. It flies flat. So you have the highest and the lowest. Brought together in this korban. Now the lowest, Rashi says, we learn from there that a person needs, a person who did this needs to learn the lessons of humility. But why would the person need to learn the lessons of the etz erez, which represents ga'ava, which represents arrogance and haughtiness? Why would they need to learn those lessons? My friends, the answer is that a lot of times, a person thinks of themselves as low, as small, as insignificant, so they're not careful with their words because they think no one's listening. This is not a time when someone asks your opinion, you should think of yourself like the greatest advisor ever, like the most influential person in the world, like the world's expert on shiduchim. Like the chief rabbi of Israel. That's how you should relate to yourself in this moment. And know that your words carry incredible impact and gravitas. My friends, when a person thinks of themselves that way, they are much more careful. Who am I? Who even listens to me? No. May Hashem bless us to not suffer from false humility, to not imagine that no one is listening to what we say, but rather the exact opposite. You know, if our world has proven anything over the last five years, it is that rumors can start by people who have zero credibility. And how many messages and how many stories have I been sent by people and people are going majnun. You sent on a synagogue chat, this crazy thing happened, here's a picture. I was like, well, I saw that picture in 2006. So that did not happen. Two seconds later, you're on Snopes.com, 
That picture is from 2006. How many times that happened online? Now, what does it take to get global hysteria? Nothing. We have finally realized that when it comes to listening to Lashon Hara, suddenly everybody is the world's expert on everything. And although you don't think your opinion matters and will influence people, it's important that you look at yourself not only as Ezov, but also as Etz Eres. And then you will protect your language much more because you'll be aware of the impact that it could possibly have. The last thing I'm going to say before we sign off today is that maybe the other antidote to Lashon Hara is to recognize the difference between Ezov the lowest and it's Erez the highest. It is almost always a result of low self-esteem that makes us want to speak about people. In fact, I'm fond of quoting a court case that happened in America a while ago about a boss that walked into his own office and he heard three women who worked for him in the office talking about him at the water cooler. Lashon hara about him. He comes in, he gets so angry, they didn't hear him come in. He fires the three of them. The women sued the boss in court for the right to speak Lashon hara. But all of this does not surprise me. In America, you could sue someone because you spilled hot coffee on your face and they didn't write on it that it was, this should not be used as a facial uh, dis- disinfectant because it's hot. It doesn't surprise me that they sued. What surprised me was the line that I read in the newspaper the next morning. The lawyer argued, how else is a person supposed to build up their self-esteem if we do not allow them to talk negatively about others. This was the legal argument used, put forth by the lawyer. And I was, it was so surprising to me because how can self-esteem be built by murdering someone else, by putting someone else down? That is the opposite of esteem associated with yourself. That is esteem associated by stepping on the dead body of the guy you just stabbed in the face. But that was the argument put forward. The only way I can have self-esteem is if I crush someone else. Says the Torah, you spoke Lashon Hara about someone. Recognize that actually it probably has less to do with them and what they did and more to do with you and how small you felt that day. So if you catch yourself about to speak Lashon Hara, maybe remind yourself, I'm bigger than this. I don't need to feel better about myself by talking about someone else. I am an Etz Erez. Now is the time for you to have a little bit of Ga'ava. To feel a little bit better than this. A little bit less petty. A little bit stronger. If you're a Lashon Hara person, have those two things in your mind. It's Erez and Ezov. Which are you? You're big, you don't need to speak about the little people. You're small, you're small, talking about someone else is not going to help. 
That just makes you smaller. May Hashem bless us in those crucial moments to have control over our tongue. Through that process, merit long, beautiful, happy days. Days where we love each and every day. It is only a person who hates his days, who does not even want to wake up in the morning, can barely get himself out of bed, that feels the need to destroy other people in order to bring, to bring a little bit more sunshine to his day. A person that loves every day doesn't waste time talking about anybody else. He has better things to do. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. 